Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. I'm Ardashi Petray. My blog is twosleavers.com. My latest book is Keto Fat Bombs, Sweets, and Treats. The ketogenic diet has taken America by storm, and you can attest to its effectiveness firsthand. How has it changed your life? So my husband and I had gastric sleeve surgery about six years ago. And interestingly, the decision to have the surgery was not as difficult as a decision uh, to go keto after that because you can have you can have surgery, you can do a whole bunch of things, but if you don't eat right, you're going to gain back you know almost all of the weight. So I had to accept that I was going to be on a ketogenic diet for the rest of my life in order to lose weight. And um, my husband and I have both lost a ton of weight and kept it off for six years, which is, I think, the hardest part. Um, my husband lost about 100 pounds, which is a little too much, and I lost about 80 pounds, which is a little too much. So we've had to put back on a little bit of it so we didn't look haggard and old. Really? Uh, but it has really, t- yes, oh, my God. You know, I'll tell you something interesting. He was lying uh, in bed after a shower one day, and I came in, and I thought he had died because you could see his bones on his ribs, and I was like, this is <laughs> not good. So I was like, dude, you need to eat, <laughs> you know? Oh, no. You can <laughs> so, be too thin or too rich, I guess. I suppose you can. I mean, especially as you get older, I don't think it's that great to be so skinny, <laughs> at least for me. Like, I don't look that good. So, um, But, you know, I think the thing about keto is that part of it is weight loss, but for a lot of people, it's blood markers. Like for my husband, Roger, you know, he came off of metformin. He came off of um, blood pressure medication. You know, he had health issues that were impacted by his weight and by the way that he was eating. I had, you know, a severe insulin resistance, and I had marks on the back of my neck and on my stomach. Uh, it's called acanthosis nigricans. And like you could, you could see that the way that we were eating was not good for our health, um, let alone our weight. So I think it's fashionable to talk about keto for weight. Um, but the more fundamental issue is keto for health for many of us. So in your new cookbook, you share more than 100 keto recipes that help satisfy cravings for high-carb snacks. Describe the process of developing 100 recipes, and you probably tested way more than 100. Oh, yeah. Uh, and by the way, this is the fourth or fifth book out. So like there's been a lot of recipe testing. My whole house has been taken over and my husband complains that we never get to eat anything more than once. The only times we get to eat it more than once is if it failed the first time because it has to make the <laughs> recipe again, you know. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging in a good way. So like I enjoy the process of coming up with something that, yes, it's keto, but mainly it has to be good tasting food. A surefire way to go off of a particular way of eating is if you just don't enjoy the food and it's a chore and it takes forever to make and you spend half your life in the kitchen and you know we don't we don't live like that. I'm not a professional chef. This is not what I do, you know, full time. I'm you know a mom, of uh, you know a business owner. Uh, you know I, I do I have other priorities in my life other than cooking, and it has to be easy and it has to be more more than anything it has to be sustainable. So. I think people go into keto sometimes with a deprivation mindset and they think about all the things they can't have. I, you know, I always urge people to focus on the wonderful, tasty things you can have. I mean, all the, all the vegetables, the meats, the nuts, the cheeses, the cream cheese, the heavy whipping cream, you know, the, the wonderful, delightful, tasty things that you can eat. And moreover, you can feed your family the same things because they're going to taste that and go, wow, this is delicious, not what is the diet food you just fed me. Um, so, you know, you essentially what I do is I create a table of contents of things that I know people miss. 
uh, or that I have made and enjoyed. And then I just go through systematically and start cooking from one end and go to the other until I'm done. You have a whole section called Keto Myths. Number one is keto and low-carb are entirely different things. Explain that. Yeah. So, you know, I'll tell you there are a lot of, there's a lot of keto policing out in, the, in social media. One of the um, criteria in my, um, in my group is you're not allowed to say that's not keto or, you know, uh, you can't have beans or you shouldn't have carrots. I think context matters. And uh, there's, you know, the standard American diet is reputed to be 300 grams of carbs a day. And a strict ketogenic diet is 20 carbs a day. So my contention is that there's a lot of room between 300 and 20. You know, there's, there's room for all types of eating styles. And people benefit differentially. This is not an all or nothing proposition. So reducing your carbs, many people can be in ketosis at 50 grams. Uh, you know, many people can't be in ketosis unless they're at 20 grams. Many people choose to simply go from 300 to 100 and see health benefits. Uh, you know, there's, there are a million different ways of being healthy. There isn't one good way. And I feel sometimes that we are so all or nothing in our view of how to be healthy that it's not conducive to support being supportive of each other and, you know, supportive of each other's styles. So if you're trying to eat better and you decide that, look, I can't do this 300 grams of carbs and processed carbs, and instead I'm going to go to something that allows me 100 grams and, uh, you know, I'm only going to eat natural, unprocessed foods. I'm hard-pressed to believe how that's not healthier for you and why we should not be supportive of it. I gave up bread rolls and bagels for the first 90 days challenge of 2019. And the second weekend, I thought I had the flu. I had the flu shot. So I was like, how can I have the flu? And I Googled it and it's called the keto flu. Keto flu. Yeah. It was Yes, it is. It's a very awful. Yeah, it's a very real phenomenon. Yes, it is. So interestingly, it's also on both ends of the spectrum. So it's really awful when you first go through it, unless you do the things that you should, which is typically drink a lot and replace your electrolytes. Um, so the potassium, magnesium, et cetera, you know, a loss that you're having, um, you know, you stop eating carbs, uh, there's a diuretic effect of that and you're, you're peeing a lot basically and you secrete some of the electrolytes that you need. But I will tell you on the flip side, for those of us who have been keto or low carb for a while, if you decide to fall face first into a piece of regular cake, you are sicker than a dog for days after. Really? Oh my God. Oh God. If I eat like, uh, you know, bread and I, I'm not celiac. So like, you know, from that perspective, I do not need to be gluten-free, but if I eat carbs, I am so sick afterwards. I can't tell you. Yes. It takes a while to adjust both ways, I think. But, you know, for, for many of us, the health benefits are totally worth it. Give us an overview of the four week plan of easing into keto. Uh, you know, I'm a perfectionist, there's no doubt about it, but I also believe in incremental change. And I think that incremental change is easier to adjust to. So what I did in this plan was um, basically allowed you to ease into um, a keto plan. And I say week one and week two. So the first week, you know, you stop eating potatoes, pasta, bread. Uh, you limit fruits. Now, in down the road, you're not going to be able to be in ketosis by eating, you know, three bananas a day. Most of us can't do that. Uh, however, you're making so many changes that a stair-step approach is not a bad way to go. Many of the people that I've seen, you know, they're trying to track, they're trying to go into intermittent fasting, they're trying to balance their macros. And I think a lot of times they're not understanding the science behind 
um, ketosis. So I say this all the time, you know, ketosis is a metabolic state. Food is a guideline to help get you there. Uh, to say that's not keto is is not often accurate. So, you know, at the end of the, at the end of this whole process, you will have given up many of the um, almost all the carbs that you should not be eating. You will have started to drink a lot of water. You will have introduced four hours between your meals, uh, which you really want to do. And some of us may also have introduced a 12 to 16 hour time period between at least two meals. Uh, however, you're not, and we will have been, you will have started to track. Uh, you will just not have done that all on the first day. Um, and I can attest to the fact that there are hundreds of people in my group that have adopted this method, have been successful, and have lost 50, 60, 70 pounds. Uh, so it works. It's just not as drastic a method as some of the other ones that you see out there. So I want to ask you about intermittent fasting, but you mentioned Mm -hmm. macros before. What are macros and how do we determine our own macros? So macros basically just is, you know, the the grams of protein, fat, and carbs um, that you ingest. So the the essence of keto is limiting carbs. So here's my advice. Limit your carbs, eat all your protein, eat the fat that you need in order to feel satiated. So this belief that keto is nothing but bacon and butter and, um, you know, uh, bulletproof coffee uh, is a little, in my mind, erroneous. You eat fat for satiety. You eat fat because it's the one thing that doesn't elevate your um, your uh, blood sugar and doesn't cause you to release insulin. So people start, you know, there's a certain um, sort of a distribution that is recommended. So they will say, you know, eat less than 20 grams of carbs you know, eat about, I don't know, 0.5, 0.6 grams of protein per pound of um, body weight, and then the rest of it you fill in with fat. So there are many calculators. I have a calculator on my website, twosleavers.com, that will allow you to calculate your macros and figure out what you should do. I think where we run into trouble is that what happens as a result of ketosis is that you stop feeling hungry all the time. You're not on this constant eat carbs, you know, crash blood sugar, um, and then, you know, a, a resultant hunger from it. So tell us about your intermittent fasting regime. Yeah, so, um, you know, honestly, as, um, as the weight started to come off, the last 10 pounds were just so difficult for me to get off. And this is true, you know, anecdotally for many, many people. Um, I went into intermittent fasting as a way to lose weight. But then when you read about it, you realize that the autophagy and all of the other um, health benefits are substantial. And there's a ritualistic you know, uh, long history for fasting uh, for religious reasons, for health reasons, for a variety of other things. So I think, again, it's, it's very easy to, over, you know, to overcomplicate fasting. For me, what it means is that I try to keep three to four hours between meals. If I get hungry, I drink liquids because oftentimes we confuse hunger and thirst. And then at night, I do try to go either 12 or 16 hours between meals. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll stop eating at 8, uh, and then the next morning, I don't eat until about 2.30. Um, and I find that it's easier for me to keep my weight off. Um, I feel better. You actually feel very energetic. Um, and it's reputed to not lower your metabolism. Um, you know, a, a hungry organism is in search of food. And you're like, you're like, you're activated and you've got a lot of energy uh, when you're fasting. And, you know, like I said, it's, there's a weight benefit, a weight loss, weight maintenance benefit. But there's also a basic health benefit where you allow your body time to do some of the repair functions that it needs to instead of 
focusing all of its energies on helping digest what you just stuffed in your face. So you go from 8 p.m. the night before to 2.30 p.m. the next day? I do. I do that quite often, and I know it sounds ridiculous. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest benefits of keto, like I said, is you're not hungry all the time. Um, there are some days I'm clock watching. There's no doubt about it. You know, I'm clock watching going, what time is it? What time is it? Because I'm forcing myself to go. And other days I'm like, oh, heck, it's 3 o'clock. I haven't eaten. I better eat something. Um, you know, we don't want to slap those people that go, I forgot to eat, right? I hate but those I am people. Now. I know. I know. That's that. you now? now one of the, yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's the only way to get to it is to not eat carbs that cause, for me, to not eat carbs that cause my blood sugar to crash because that's what makes me hungry. I read an article in Forbes about you entitled, This Death-Defying CEO Proves That Life's <laughs> Rules Are Yours to Mold. How yes. do you toggle two very different careers? Very badly some days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm doing such a bad job some days and then I have to remind myself that I'm hard on myself about this. So, you know, a lot of it is the team you surround yourself with. You know, I've always surrounded myself with people who are a lot smarter than me. Um, you know, and the the team I have on both sides, you know, is, is very, very able. But I'm also extremely regimented in my work day. So I create a calendar. I wake up every day and decide here are the things that I have to get done today. And um, then I work until they're done. And some days, many days, actually, to be honest, it's a 17-hour work day. Um, and, you know, things, you'll make a plan for five things and three other things you hadn't anticipated will fall on your plate. And I just work until those five things are finished. So I live by a calendar, um, which, you know, it's not how other people choose to live. But for me, it's very satisfying to set a goal, meet that goal, move on to the next day. And other than um, doing your blog, twosleevers.com, mm-hmm. and writing your cookbooks, what is your other career? Uh, so my, I'm actually, I have a doctorate in experimental psychology, and uh, I have been working in marketing for about almost 20 years now. Uh, I bring data and analytics into the heart of marketing for Fortune 50s, Fortune 100s. And if they're looking for customer relationship management driven by data, using predictive models to say, you know, who's going to, which of their customers is going to attract, which of them is going to buy a particular product, what's the impact of their media spend, essentially bringing math and science into marketing to predict outcomes um, based on, you know, their historical performances. So very geeky, very nerdy stuff. I do have another sideline that we haven't talked about, uh, actually, which is that um, we now run culinary tours to different countries. Oh. Um, because I, yeah, so I feel that food is opens doors to many different cultures and that, you know, through experiencing the food and the customs of a country, it creates a curiosity about that country and about, you know, uh, about how people choose to live in various parts of the world. So I've run a couple of trips to India, um, you know, as part of, um, as part of the Truth Leaders group. And we are doing one to Belize next and we're doing one to Thailand next. And, um, you know, if you had told me I'd be the kind of person that would take a tour of people and go on holiday with a bunch of people, I would have laughed at you. Uh, but it's actually been extremely rewarding for all of us, and it's led to real-life friendships. It's led to us experiencing cultures in ways that we would not have thought about. And uh, that's, that's becoming, you know, something that I'm really enjoying doing with other people. So in that Forbes article, my favorite quote was, I stopped judging myself on results and started judging yeah. myself on actions. For most of yeah. us, it's just getting that idea out of our head into action. That's the hardest part. It's, 
you know, and weight loss, actually, the whole process of weight loss really helped me accept that as well. So I can control what I put in my mouth or don't put in my mouth. I cannot control how fast my body chooses to shed the weight. And so these things about, you know, I've only lost four pounds, I've only lost six pounds, everybody around me is losing 12 pounds, I can't control it, you know. And, and you know, even when I was sick and I was coming back from this, I'm the pri- you know, I, was, I am the primary breadwinner for my family out of choice, and I would wake up terrified that I just, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to make a living this way. I was, you know, it's hard enough to start a business once, I was starting it twice, what what of that could I control? The only thing I could control is, did I wake up in the morning? Did I make my phone calls? Did I do my outreach? Did I, you know, contact people that I should? That's the only part I can control. So how how can you judge yourself on things that are way outside your control? You just can't. It's a, it's a surefire way to drive yourself nuts. Yesterday, I made your recipe for peanut butter cake on page 128. I've been missing toast or banana bread in the morning so much. So even though this is considered cake, I feel like I can do a little slice with some butter on it and some eggs in the morning. Don't you think? Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Yes, you totally can. In fact, you know, sometimes I don't know what to call these things because there are things that I make up, right? So like I have a blueberry bake recipe. Well, what the heck is it? Is it a cake? Is it bread? I don't know. It's blueberry deliciousness. That should be enough for all of us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I have some muffin recipes that if you wanted to put a little bit of sweet and cream cheese, you know, have at it. Um, I have a nut and seed bread that I often eat with uh, cheese, you know. Um, they're all the muffins, the biscuits, you know, put a little bit of a butter on them. I, I feel like uh, you people need to be given permission to customize the food in the way that best suits them. That, you know, that you only have to eat this a particular way or you only have to cook this a particular way or it's no longer an authentic dish. I get this a lot. People will say, hey, I made your recipe for Indian, you know, whatever, or Korean, whatever, but I added sesame seeds because I like them. Is that okay? And I'm like, if you like it, it's okay. Like there's authentic is, authentic is a fleeting concept, I think, in a lot of cases. Totally. Yeah. You know? Now for my segment called My Last Meal. What would you have for your last supper, and would it be keto friendly? So I, I would. Uh, my last meal, I have said repeatedly, is going to be chicken biryani. There is something about chicken and rice that is just elemental for many of us. Uh, okay, I have definitely. I just did a video actually on YouTube for how to make a, a keto chicken biryani in 30 minutes, and um, it's really, really good. However, if this is my truly my last meal. I would eat the real thing with rice, and I would follow it up with the peanut butter bars that are on that um, keto cookbook's uh, front page. Those, pe- you know, what I love? I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh my god, I, I do love too. So, right? You want to hear a shameful secret? When my kids were little and they went trick or treating, when they came back, they would sit down to sort their candy, and they knew that mom got all the Reese's peanut butter cups. Same so, like, here. I my kids. Yes. The yeah. kids don't care. Yeah. They, I don't care. They care. I mean, yeah. the peanut butter cups. <laughs> <laughs> so the recipe on the front of it is actually a keto version of peanut butter uh, cups. And uh, I love that recipe so much. I really do. So I would definitely make myself a huge batch of that and eat the whole dang thing. <laughs> Where can we find you on the web and social media? com is the blog. I am on Pinterest, I am on YouTube, I am on Instagram. I have two groups on Facebook. One is an international Instant Pot, Air Fryer, etc. recipes, and the other one is a keto 
um, recipe food. So depending on you know whether you're looking to do um, just regular you know tasty easy cooking or keto cooking, you can choose to join one of those groups. We do have certain rules. You're not allowed to tell people what to do. You can't say that's not keto. You can't be. You can use I language. So what works for me is acceptable to say, but you should do that is not acceptable to say. Um, but, you know, if people want to abide by those rules and want the supportive community where you can just talk about different cultures, different ways of cooking and eating, and then support for your keto journey, um, those groups would be good, good groups for people to join. Thanks for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. You and I laughed together a lot. I really enjoyed it. Follow Susie Chase on Instagram at Cookery by the Book and subscribe at cookerybythebook.com or in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening to Cookery by the Book Podcast, the only podcast devoted to cookbooks since 2015.